0: Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. The Contrarians is brought to you by Smarks Like Us Clothing and Avnio Films. Be sure to keep up with the pretentious ramblings of Alex and Julio on Twitter, at JamesAlexMattis, and at Avnio. that's O-V-N-I-O. Yes, this is the main theme from Star Wars Episode 3. Why, you might ask? It's simple. It's the best film in the franchise. Hello, and welcome back to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm your host, as always, Alex. Joined by my co-host, cohort and comrade, Julio. How are you doing today?
1: Doing alright, I just crossed off another Christmas classic off my list.
0: And? How? And,
1: well, you know, I feel a little misled by everything. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful black and white life. You know, the cover of DVD is in color. I was not ready for just some old-timey, trying-to-feel-good black-and-white comedy. Is it a comedy? What would you call it, a comedy?
0: It's more of a dramedy. Dramedy? I think it's in the vein of, like, I think it's a precursor to the Judd Aptow films of today. Yes. There's a certain level of self-awareness that comes along with it.
1: I think that, you know, you can't not be called a comedy if you have, like, a dance number over a dance floor that opens into a pool. Yeah. But I'm going to stick with comedy. Comedy? Okay. Yeah, I know, last episode I was praising black and white, but I was talking about black and white photography, like still photography. Black and white movies, I mean, I'm sorry, no. There's century. been plenty of,
0: plenty of time to fill in the colors, you know. Yes. But yes, it is a wonderful life, as we are here for a Christmas episode to review it. I hope everyone enjoyed our previous Christmas episode of The Family Stone. Unfortunately, we don't have as good a film to talk about on this episode. Nope. I'm surprised. I think that
1: it's just America has been beaten to submission into liking this movie. You know, you were talking about how you you were surprised that I've never seen it because they play it all the time. Well, I guess I managed to keep my shields up the entire time and I'm glad that I've seen it now when I'm A fully functional adult that is protected from the propaganda that this movie is trying to feed you. I think it is.
0: It could be conceived as propaganda because in my entire lifetime it plays every year at Christmas. So you're kind of almost becomes a Stockholm Syndrome type situation where you eventually side with your captors and believe that this is like the Christmas classic that it holds itself to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's like basically it's a movie that's telling you, you know what, you don't need to leave town (laughs) and you just. Settle, settle, mm-hmm. S- settle. It's and you know, don't worry about you know how many kids you have or like you know financial security for the future. You know what? In the end, don't worry because God's gonna
0: fix it. Mm-hmm. God is gonna fix it. God begins our film as we start in uh, Bedford Falls, New York. It's snowing. It's Christmas Eve, and we just hear a bunch of voiceovers and their prayers to God. Prayers for George. People are very worried about him. George Bailey is apparently flown off the rails, and all the townspeople are worried, and they're praying to the Almighty. And we go into this, like I guess, the cosmos.
1: Yeah, the Almighty turns out to be a constellation. It was a little weird. I really thought they were going to go, like, they started like pulling back. You see the moon, and I'm like, they're going to show like, God's house in the
0: moon or something. But no, it's just uh, the stars. And there are several, uh, there's several, an there's a accumulation of stars speaking to other constellations. And I think they're all kind of duking it out for who's going to go down to save George. Because dude's about to kill himself.
1: Yeah, they end up uh, calling Clarence, who's I guess the he's top the new level. to the force. Oh, I mean, he said that he's been trying to get his wings for two hundred years. So really, he was not top of the class. But he,
0: he's a bit too eager. I f- he's. Too ready for the job. I feel if this was a Vietnam movie, Clarence would be the first one to go. Yes, I completely
1: agree. That's some messed up system there, though. I mean, so what do you do if you're not... You become an angel, but you don't get your wings, and then they keep you for 200 years. What's he been doing? I mean, I don't understand.
0: Reading Tom Sawyer, apparently. Yeah, but for 200 years? <laughs> yeah, eventually, you're bound to find something new in there.
1: Well, Clarence, I I guess, he gets a job, or is given the job, and that's his his new chance to get wings. Before
0: he's flown down to Earth, the movie begins with a series of flashbacks of George Bailey's life. We go back to when he was 12 and his little brother broke through some ice when they were sledding. His brother Larry breaks through and begins drowning in the freezing cold, and like a true G, George jumps in to save him, but is... uh, Left ear is damaged in the process, and he loses his hearing in it.
1: Echoes of Copland, Sylvester Stallone jumping in to rescue that girl and then losing hearing in his ear. I I recognize the the homage, and I uh, appreciate it, but it's not enough to make this movie a good one.
0: We go a few steps further, and George is now uh, working at the local pharmacy for Mr. Gower. He's put to work at a pretty young age. I was taken aback by that. Oh, yeah, he's a
1: pimp, too. I mean, he has two girls fighting over him, mm-hmm. and he really, I don't know, he's and not really doing anything special. He treats him like shit. He and, does. But he they're all over him.
0: Mr. Gower, the owner of the pharmacy, had just lost his son, and goes to send George out on a prescription delivery, and inadvertently fills the box with poison pills as opposed to medication because of all the drinking and trauma that he's been through.
1: I don't understand how that's a good idea to keep a gigantic jar of poison, even if you have it labeled poison. I mean, it was missing the like the skull and crossbones, but it's poison among all your medicines.
0: I don't know. That seems not the right move for a pharmacist. George then, in a panic, runs up to the Bailey Building and Loans Association where his dad owns the business and his uncle Billy's there. He doesn't really get the answers he's looking for there but comes back to Mr. Gower to return the medication. And Mr. Gower's not pleased with his performance as George is beaten without mercy in the back of this pharmacy. He should have
1: really stuck around and waited until his dad could give him like an actual answer. I mean, he that's sort of the little poster, inspirational poster he looked at. You know, what is it when in doubt Ask Dad, or he knows knows, best, or, (laughs) you know, do not go back to work until you hear from Dad.
0: His dad was occupied, though, it's our first introduction to Antagonist, the villain of the movie, Mr. Potter.
1: Who I would also like to call the voice of reason.
0: So George explains to Mr. Gower that he accidentally put poison in it, and Mr. Gower falls to his knees crying and forgives George and just begins apologizing for the serious beating that he just bestowed upon him. We fade to black and we come back and we now have Jimmy Stewart, a full-grown George who is about to be a freshman in college. Uh, yeah,
1: here we we run into the what I like to call the Grease effect, <laughs> which is you have full grown men and women playing teenagers, young adults, and it's hard to buy it takes you out of the movie. I mean I'm sorry, we're looking at like thirty year old people. Furthermore, I would like to take a pause and there is there's no way at this point that you don't know what happens in It's a Wonderful Life because you know it's just anybody that grew up here knows the story. So you know even if you haven't seen the movie like me, you know that it's about this guy that's shown what the world would be like without him by an angel. So, there's a lot of setup here, like the fact that the pharmacist doesn't kill the little girl with the poison, it's obviously going to pay off later. Every single thing that happens in the first hour and 45 minutes of the movie (laughs) is set up for later, and it's something that it's impossible not to keep in mind when you're watching. So, Mm -hmm. of course, when I see that the pharmacist didn't kill the girl, I instantly knew, I'm like, oh, so that girl's going to die, and I couldn't wait for it to happen (laughs) It just took forever
0: you're just waiting for the end to come rather yeah. and you just find yourself bored of what's going on yeah it's like
1: I know I know yeah. George Bailey's gonna do something else that's good mm-hmm. and then it's gonna reverse itself
0: later the day we arrive on those Harry's graduation and we're at his graduation dinner where George is sitting down with his parents and it's at this point we meet the original Queen Latifah as it were the Annie the sassy black maid of the house I know and we're talking about a movie that's a little old mm-hmm. before we had
1: reached the racial harmony that we've reached now mm-hmm. uh, in 21st century still it's uh, Put it, it's uncomfortable to watch this poor woman being told basically that she has no business eavesdropping on white people's affairs. Yeah. I'm sorry. Would they have left? Like, if it was a white maid, would it have been okay to eavesdrop? I believe so, and that irks me.
0: She becomes the more interesting character of the entire film because it almost is like... I begin wondering if she's like Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense. She affects nothing that happens. None of the characters acknowledge her existence. Yeah. So I can't decide if it's just utter contempt and racism or just something deeper than...
1: It could be. Maybe I, I would like to think... I don't know exactly. I, Notice that we never see her in the, the alternate reality later on. So what does that mean? That because George Bailey wasn't born, then she was for free of the white man's uh, oppression? Maybe.
0: Could be. So that then we go to Harry's graduation. There's a big dance and a big celebration, a big party. It's where George runs into Mary Hatch, played by Donna Reed. And, you know, they don't throw parties like they used to. No. Uh, there's a big Charleston dance number. Mm-hmm. That... Everyone's in their Sunday best. Everyone's got their hair slicked back to a ridiculous extent. I'm not a prude, but I gotta tell you, there's a reason why people don't dance like that anymore. It's a
1: little unsettling. I felt, again, uncomfortable.
0: It's a bit much. The man whom George stole Mary away from is very bitter, and he becomes informed that there's... uh, Pool underneath the dance floor, which isn't that convenient. Yeah. So he unlocks it; it begins unfolding. We just get this ridiculously tacky dance number surrounding the pool.
1: Yes, it is like the the floor is opening. There's water underneath, and George seems to be unaware of it, Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess Mary doesn't notice either. And everybody's like screaming.
0: They just are so full of themselves and hubris that they think they're just applauding their dancing skills. They eventually backpedal and fall in the pool, and this is where we really realize the power that George Bailey has over the town because it literally becomes Mm -hmm. the George Bailey jumped off a cliff, so we should, too. And the, the town follows him into the water and into the trenches. And Even the guys that
1: opened the, the pool in the first place, they mm-hmm. just jump out there, and then the old guy that, I guess, runs the school, he also jumps in, and it's just it's a lot of silliness. It's very
0: foreboding for the rest of the movie, seeing these people just follow. They drown along with George.
1: Yeah, that's basically what the movie's trying to tell you. George has this influence of the people, and it's good and bad depending on where you're standing in Bedford Falls.
0: So George and Mary steal some athletic equipment, a a robe, football uniform, and they begin to walk home. They come across an old drafty house, as George calls it, and apparently it's a thing in town to do to throw rocks at the house and make a wish. Yes, I was raised on throwing is... a penny in a pond. I don't know.
1: Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, you know, it's the fifties. It was okay to like be a little vandal when you're trying to win a girl's heart. I mean, there, there is the, the, the romantic setting. There is you know, she's just wearing a robe, but he is like constantly stepping on the robe's like little belt. and You know what's going to happen, and it happens eventually.
0: He's got some uh, alternative intentions, and yeah, he he eventually disrobes her, and she's forced to hide in a. In a a flower patch this is a channeling a film we reviewed not too long ago Rocky where he just becomes a total creep at this point uh, but I would like to think that he's unlike Rocky where I think that Rocky
1: was just kind of like animalistic in his pursuit of Adrian and you know, I think George Bailey, he's kind of dumb in the way of how he plays the game with her. I mm-hmm. mean, to the point where eventually he doesn't score. Which like Rocky knew exactly when to pounce mm-hmm. uh, and it was horrifying but you know, you have to give him that. George Bailey he spends like minutes and minutes like just going around the bush knowing that she's naked there, pontificating and trying to be funny and then it takes him so long that his father has a stroke and then he has to leave the scene. So George goes
0: from the highest to highest emotionally to lowest of lows. As uh, What a small town they're just able to find him so easily on the street corner. It also happens later on there's like he had some sort of altercation
1: like on the street you know it goes from his close up to like a wider shot and it's like the entire time it's surrounding him
0: so they find George cornering this naked woman in a bush and they inform him that his father's had a stroke and Peter Bailey is gone as soon as he came in we didn't really get too much we've got two scenes with him and he's done I mean two scenes that show you what George was made of though he like they're
1: having dinner and he just tells him basically dad I don't want to be you stuck in this town with a shitty job I want to fly I want to visit the world And...
0: and the opening scene with him as well was just very they, they didn't have a good relationship, and his dad just constantly shunned him away and didn't want anything to do with him. So I, I don't really know why George took it so hard and then took it upon himself to take over the family business. We get back to Mr. Potter, who is by the way played by Lionel Barrymore. Drew's granduncle that I found. Really? Yes. Oh wow. It's a shame the acting skills didn't start as early as they would develop. No, nope.
1: a little a little too hacky, the villain. Yes. I mean, give me a little shading on your on your bad guys.
0: <laughs> the local board of bankers convenes and Potter once Bailey's Building and Loan Association closed. It seems as though George is about to concede to that, but then, for some reason that's not really explained, his instinct just kicks in to save it.
1: It's never really explained other than George Bailey is, I guess, some sort of masochist. Throughout the movie, he constantly postpones his dreams. He puts <laughs> his head
0: in the guillotine over and over again. Yeah,
1: and you know what? I think that, you know, but when you get to the end, I think he just likes playing the victim, and he likes being this sort of, you know, folk hero that people, you know, all over town uh, can say good things about. But in the end, he's an enabler. You know, all these people, they're making poor Investments and he just bails him out. Oh, George Bailey. He <laughs> bails him out. Okay, well, I'll give the movie a little more credit just for that clever name but that, that was a good pun
0: that was a good pun
1: but you know he, he keeps cancelling his plans he, you know his dad dies so he doesn't go Trouble. to Europe yeah, yeah. he cancels and then you know he's supposed to go to college but then you know he's because remember this
0: fully grown man is still supposed to be oh, yeah. a, a yeah, college yeah, yeah. freshman
1: he looks so out of place and he saw about how like, all his friends are like you know finishing college I was like, finishing college I mean your <laughs> friends are probably married with the kids by now <laughs> you look so old for no reason whatsoever this happens throughout the movie he just gives up on, on his dreams and just his... stays in bed for
0: fall his spiel he gave to Mary about wanting to lasso the moon and pull it down—that was what he wanted to do at that point in his life. But in the process of a few months, his dad's gone, and now his life is set from that point on. Yeah,
1: I think he's all talk. Yeah. I think he's all talk. He's like, you know, when that you're... was like a
0: first date too. I think he was just telling her what she wanted to hear.
1: I know, so he could get her naked. And then when he does, what does he do? He doesn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. I think that George Bailey's is just a talker. Yeah. He likes to talk about how he would like to like travel the world, but that's too risky. It's a lot safer to just stay at home. Stay at yeah, stay at home and deal with like the shitty business. He's that... the that I really could have. Like,
0: I could have done this, but you know. Yeah, yeah. and then
1: oh, well, I'll blame my dad's death.
0: I'll blame I'll, Mr. Potter. I could have been an astronaut, but that would have taken a lot of schooling. So George vetoes college and takes over the business along with Uncle Billy. But uses the money he saved for college to send Harry away. Once again, taking care of his little brother. Then we just fast forward four years and Harry's out of college. I want to see Harry. He's a much more lovable and he, has a better story. He's leading a more interesting life. I mean, certainly he comes back. He comes back, back and, with a hot girl. Yeah. And he's supposed to be this
1: brilliant man. And Harry's doing what George isn't doing. I guess they had the plan that he was going to come back from college and take over so that George could do something else. But instead smartly, he took someone else's job. You know, he, he married this girl, and the girl's dad offered him a job, and now he has, like, different plans. And then, of course, George Bailey, poor George Bailey, is going to pout and whine when yeah. he finds this out and, you know, like, sulk in the corner. By
0: the time Harry gets back, George is basically 2000 Mickey Rourke. He's too old <laughs> to really do anything, and he's just sitting there waiting for, you know, someone to come along. He's just got his give Giving him cup. a break. Yeah, he's got his cup out like a beggar.
1: He's reaching that, that age where, like, the mom's telling him, hey, you should go... You know, meet a girl. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need you here.
0: And he's clearly miserable, and after his mom tells him he should meet a girl, she tells him in fact that Mary's back in town, but instead he goes to exploit the local whore, Violet. Yes, oh, that's the scene I was telling
1: you about. Like, yeah. You know, so Violet throws herself at him. Horrible game. Again, I mean, I understand his dad died, so maybe, but no, he was old enough to have taught him guess, yeah. at least a few moves. He was clearly a
0: 35-year-old man. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and yet, you know, he hasn't learned anything about how to, how to woo a lady, and instead he launches into this speech. I mean, it's obvious that Violet is ready to just take him to bed, mm-hmm. and instead he goes and tells her that they need to take their shoes off and climb the mountains and whatever, and then she's horrified, and not just her, but the entire town has gathered around them by the time that you pull back. I guess not
0: much happens there, because they do convene around... Yeah, like, it's like in, in, like,
1: 30 seconds, like, the word spread, hey, did you hear that George is making a fool out of himself? And this is class? before Twitter,
0: so, like, it must be a really small Oh, yeah, town yeah, yeah. if
1: you need a reminder, this is, like, old-timey, it's just, just look at the phones they use every time, I was <laughs> just like, wow, that is heavy.
0: He does go to Mary's house and just completely blows it with her. She, talk about another girl that's clearly ready to go to bed with him. She drew a picture for him, puts on their song, and he just comes in and just acts like a real dick
1: yeah he's acting like a child I didn't want to be here but it's warm it's so weird it's like the 50s were so weird man like the mom is there like (laughs) upstairs like running a commentary on what the date is doing and also reminding her that she actually has a boyfriend in New York the boyfriend calls and then they both get on the phone like there's a he wants to talk to both of them and and offer him a job and telling her to invest and the entire time like their their heads are together and he's smelling her hair and it's getting a little creepy
0: and then (laughs) he just slams the Phone down and says he doesn't want any of it, as they embrace in a kiss.
1: Yeah, that's the fifties. I mean, with texting, that would never happen here. No, it would just be done with like a couple of modicons, and <laughs> that's it.
0: Mary's mom seems to be the only smart one because she knows that this is just a bad idea. I know. Do you really want to get married to the
1: guy that everybody mooches off? Like and the bent the, for the
0: rural Texas town where you just come back and just whoever's best from high school, where you just go and marry them. And we immediately flash forward to the wedding of Mary and George, and again. Her mom is just mortified as to what she's seeing. But I think uh, we do get a shining light out of all this just nonsense because we did a reappearance of Annie.
1: Telling white people what's up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Somehow,
1: I don't think it's it's explained, but somehow George has, like, a lot of money. At least, like, he's been saving for...
0: Uh, he somehow uh, gets $2,000. Yeah, yeah,
1: which is, like, in this giant bills from old-time movies. I think he kept it in
0: his coffee can behind his ball cards. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: That makes sense. He's bragging about, like, how much money he has to spend the honeymoon to, mm-hmm. like, the taxi driver and, and marry his wife now. And, of course... They're right on the edge of town, about yes, to get out. True, George Bailey. It's almost like, you know what I was thinking of, the Truman Show? How every time he's ready to leave town something <laughs> happens <laughs> I think maybe Ed Harris was pulling the strings all over Walls. in, in the moon it. so the bank you is... do see the moon in the opening credits <laughs> I think that uh, God was Ed Harris this is a Precursor to the Truman Show.
0: So the bank's gone broke as the loan officers are there to collect, and Uncle Billy, of course, gave away everything they had. Yeah,
1: let's take a moment to talk about Uncle Billy. I think we kind of like. Uh, I think we can put a
0: pause on that because he fucks up far worse later in the movie. Right,
1: but but in order to like, I mean, if you're watching the movie, if you're paying attention, to, like George, you know that this would happen eventually. Yes. You know, you have to be an idiot to leave that guy, Uncle Billy. I didn't get it at first, but I guess that crow that's like in the office at all times that's that's his pet. Okay. That's someone you want to let handle money. (laughs) Exactly. Someone who has a pet crow. You want to let
0: them manage finances. Red flag
1: number one, the crow. Red flag number two, just the fact that he's an idiot. Every time that you talk to him, I mean, you wouldn't let him... For how
0: much blatant alcoholism is going on in this movie, I think he's definitely the closeted one. He's always got the shakes. He can never remember shit. He doesn't remember to pick things up. He doesn't... He can't keep his cool. I mean, when George gets to the building, he's already locked everybody out because he doesn't know what to do. Constantly looks like he's on the precipice of a heart attack. Yes. At any moment... His left arm could go numb, and the taste of copper could fill his mouth.
1: Also not completely related, but he kind of looks like Louis Black.
0: I thought he was like Joe Latruglio's grandfather. (laughs) I got that vibe from him. But the bank's gone broke, and people are there, and they want their money. George doesn't know where it is, but he has to give him this big rah-rah spiel about, I'm going to get it to you. That's George Bailey. He's a talker. He's a salesman, more than anything. I think his, his life of just constant being shit on has prepped him to put a positive spin on anything. Yeah, yeah. And he does. He keeps all the clients here. I mean,
1: he has a formidable opponent, Mr. Potter, mm-hmm. who's like, you know, ready to pounce. You know, this is like the really exciting high-stakes financial drama uh, <laughs> part of, uh, of It's a Wonderful Life, where everybody is coming into George's bank and loan building, demanding their money back, because I guess the U.S. is in crisis. And Mr. Potter is offering to pay them the money at 50 on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And so it's like they have to decide if they take at least half their money— going by Mr. Potter, or if they stick
0: with George until everything gets better. It's how dumb the people of the town are, though. They're willing to take half their money back and not even, like, considering where the other half goes. That's just Mr. Potter raking it in, baby. Yeah, well, they're sheep. I
1: mean, obviously, throughout the entire movie, they're they're shown as just going to whoever's, like, speaking the loudest.
0: Because up until... A certain point we're about to get to, the rest of the world doesn't even exist outside of... Right, you get to, like, I
1: mean, you hear about it, because George is always talking about where he's going to go when he leaves this shitty town, but he never does, and then, yeah, maybe there is some Truman Show thing going on where...
0: We don't uh, even know if this is, like, a village-type situation, too, where it's just, like, this own little plantation that exists. Right, you wouldn't even
1: know that it's in the U.S., if not for the fact that later on the war is referenced. Yes,
0: George takes the money, the two grand, that was meant for his honeymoon. And back in those days, man, two grand could have bought the honeymoon of a lifetime.
1: Which is why I'm surprised that he actually has two grand. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he manages his life so poorly. I'm surprised he managed to save that much.
0: But in his infinite idiocy, just gives it all the way to, to keep all their clients. He gives money out of his own pocket to everybody. He
1: actually insists on them not even signing a receipt. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: don't worry about
1: it. You'll just pay me later. How is this man not, like, living on the street by now?
0: This is a credible bank manager right here. Yeah,
1: that's the man that you want to, like, trust your savings with. Mm. Uh, he actually manages to, to stave off Doom for that day. He, his At goal was to stay open until 6, right? Yeah. And he managed to do it.
0: They stay open until 6. They have $2 left. He completely forgets that it was supposed to be his honeymoon. and Until the very end. He's and making some joke about the
1: $2 hooking up and making babies and making more money Mm -hmm. and then he remembers that he's married
0: and his wife was waiting for him (laughs) and god bless mary she arranged the the old drafty house that they threw rocks at she had it put together and had some of the local townspeople pull some strings and she She's infinitely patient with this man because yeah. she arranges a very sweet honeymoon for them. Uneventful. She's the true hero of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also you could argue that they deserve
1: each other because, I'm sorry, maybe a woman that deserves better. They're both
0: gluttons just, for punishment. Yes. But this is how an
1: eventful life in Bedford Falls is. They actually get the only cop in town he spends the night serenading them during their honeymoon instead of fighting crime fighting
0: crime <laughs> policing the streets because back in those days cops were crooners
1: well the cop and also the one taxi driver in town they both spend the night there We like, are both drunks there. yes
0: <laughs> so we flash forward I'm not quite sure how many years but the development of Bailey Park has been made and George has actually made some decent financial decisions and has been smart for once in this film and has a subdivision where he's turning a profit and it's the only bit of town where Potter doesn't have any jurisdiction over, and he's not making any money for it, which makes him at this point he's just out for blood. Yeah. He, he wants to ruin it. But he's smart. See, unlike George, he knows how to play the game.
1: So what does he do? He offers George a job, mm-hmm. and he tempts him. Okay, so George says that he makes forty five dollars a week. I'm assuming he meant dollars. <laughs> <laughs> forty five dollars a week. Potter offers him twenty thousand a year. Mm-hmm
0: promises him those trips to Europe and everything that he wanted by yes, his he wife. Knows. The he knows. He knows how clothing. to play him. This does feature a very cheesy, comedic timing moment of when he hears the amount of money, he drops the cigar on his lap. <laughs> yes. Yeah, come on, it. come yeah. on.
1: Even in the 50s, that's that's hacky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Potter is all, if he had a mustache, he'd be twirling it. But it takes George Bailey a while to actually catch on. He's almost about ready to go and at least discuss it with his wife before he realizes, oh wait, he's trying to buy me out.
0: This is probably, as far as like storytelling goes, the best scene of the movie, just because it, it, it does have the interesting salesman versus salesman thing. Who's the better salesman? Because yeah. the rest of the movie, you can kind of see where everything's going, but this, you actually believe that George is falling into it.
1: Yeah, I think that just before he leaves, what really happens is he realizes that he's gonna have to actually put his money, so to speak, where, where his mouth is, mm-hmm. and you know, do what we've been saying that you know he doesn't do. He's gonna have to actually have to take a chance and leave bet for falls. Instead, he turns around and gives. That's what makes speech. him panic. Yeah. Not
0: not the idea of oh, I'm gonna sell out, but it's oh, God, I don't want to like actually take a risk in my. Life. Life. Yeah,
1: God forbid I, I become a real man and like, I have to actually put some effort into making my dreams come true. So
0: he turns down... Because he knows master. as soon as Mary sees anything of life outside of Bedford, she's gone. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She's not going to have any more of his shit. Classic
1: George Bailey, turns out, the $20,000 job comes home to it's find just a out. a
0: violent refusal to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I
1: mean, he burns that bridge. He mm-hmm. went nuclear on that bridge. He doesn't even yell. He, he yells at Potter. He yells at Potter's creepy bodyguard. And then he yells at the lady that's like... Yeah, what the fuck's of up the... with that, dude? I, <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: I don't know. Look... We get no explanation as to why he's a mute.
1: I, I would like to say that Marius Corsese cast him, but... A, Scorsese was probably not making movies back then. No. Yeah, after burning that bridge and turning down most money that he would ever make in his life, probably he goes home and finds out that he's going to be a
0: dad. Ha ha. <laughs> Joke's on you, man. Yes. And then a war happens. Yes. <laughs> we go into this montage where a bunch of shit happens and we're just supposed to accept it.
1: In four or five minutes, like, they condense a lot of stuff that's way more interesting than anything we've seen exactly. so far. <laughs> Much like
0: Harry earlier. I was just like, I want to see his movie. I want to see this war movie. Like, this yeah. towns people go off, and we don't even get their tales of coming back about the mysterious lands they've traveled to.
1: No, no, they, they went just to more war, they had <laughs> adventures, and in the meantime, George had four kids. They gloss
0: over <laughs> these four fucking kids that he has, and it, they completely redo the drafty old house.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I guess he was making some money, and then he was spending it, but still, four kids seems incredibly irresponsible. Not that I was rooting for him before, but at this point, I was just angry and i was just waiting for him to get to that point where you know he's gonna have to have the angel have a talk with him yes four kids is even on the 50s in the 50s i understand it was a different time and maybe it was you were not taken seriously unless you were having more kids than you could afford he's supposed to be the saint in this town he needs to take it easy so
0: we come back and now george bailey's mickey rourke after domino he's <laughs> fucked and so we're on christmas eve and Uncle Billy goes to make a, a grand deposit, and to the loan officers, like, the big deposit of $8,000. Which $8,000 today is a lot of fucking money.
1: Back then, back in George Bailey times. The, is... the one
0: person you want to give it to is the closeted alcoholic with a crow for a pet that constantly has strings tied around his fingers.
1: Yes. In the meantime, by the way, Harry is getting a medal. It's all over newspapers.
0: The town's preparing for his return. They're hanging up a big welcome back Harry sign, Merry Christmas. That say... leads. <clears throat> yes. <laughs>
1: that leads to uh John Conkle come over to uh Mr Potter to brag about how Harry is being awesome and also make some quip. Okay, I'll give him that credit. That was I actually did like a little fist pump when I heard him when he's just like, "Well, George couldn't go to war because you also not all the evil people are in mm-hmm. Germany, but also there's some in town." Excellent line. Unfortunately, he ruins it by accidentally letting uh, the envelope that has the $8,000. I guess he put it inside the paper, not thinking about it. Then he gives the paper to Potter. So then when he actually... Which is so
0: dumb in the first place. Cause if I
1: had $8,000 in cash with me in an envelope, I wouldn't be talking to anyone. I would be just paranoid. I would have, you know... Well, not only know. that,
0: but the fact that he gives him the paper. He walks up to him, talks shit to him, and then he's like, here's a present. <laughs> yeah, like, here's the
1: paper. Oh, by the way, $8,000 in yeah. there. I didn't notice. So He
0: didn't even have to give him the paper. In the first place. It, right. You just right. put it back under your I, arm.
1: I guess the equivalent of a mic drop then, and it's just like, and here's the paper, sir. I guess that and makes sense. Just walk away. And then he walks
0: up to the teller, and the teller just sons
1: him. And he's yes. just like, where's the cash, motherfucker? <laughs> it's like, how stupid is he that he doesn't even notice that he doesn't have the cash until the teller tells him that there's no cash? Again, I would be completely aware of those $8,000 the entire time you know, during my no. possession. And yet he doesn't even notice until the teller says that. And then, you know.
0: Then we find out that Potter's got it. Did we mention it? It's Christmas Eve. Yes,
1: of course. So, oh, Merry Christmas, Mister Potter. Again, twirling the non-existent mustache, like shining looking, his monocle. Yes, looking out the window
0: to see what's going to happen. He really reminded me of the bad guy from Monsters Inc. So, Uncle Billy goes back and informs George of the bad news, and it takes a sweet time, though. First, he
1: looks all over and makes a mess, hangs up on Harry, who's calling long distance. Of course, worse of timing because they're sort of like Inspector, like auditing their books. Of course, they're now they're. Their entire
0: cash supply is just gone. Yes. Yeah. So George has a complete and total meltdown. Yeah. He goes back home in a foul mood just cursing all his kids at one point saying why do we even have all these kids? And I'm like yeah no shit. I mean- <laughs> <laughs> there was a war <laughs> goddamn it. Thanks for catching up. His daughter the entire time is practicing Hark the Herald on the piano and he just gets fed up with that. He loses it with his kids and, and, and Zuzu's won. very sick. The daughter the youngest daughter and she has her petals that she gives to him. And-
1: is there anybody else in the world named Zuzu? Well, if it happened it's probably because of this movie.
0: Yeah. He looks
1: terrible too and he doesn't you know, typical 50s sensibilities, he does not talk to his wife about it. Mm-hmm. Instead, he just acts like an asshole.
0: I would say God bless Mary for putting up with it, but as we've conceded, she's also a glutton for punishment. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean,
1: come on. You're letting your husband walk all over you here. With four kids, you can't do that.
0: No. So, in a moment of weakness, George goes to Potter and begs for the money, and Potter, just with a shitty grin on his face, shows no mercy
1: which, can you blame him? No. I mean, come on. <laughs> then we, he's like supposed to be the
0: villain of the movie, but he's easily the smartest.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he played him. And, and George, it's his fault. Actually, he throws his own words his face. did you called me this? And then you call me that? Well, karma's a
0: bitch. He begins calling the police as a shareholder of <laughs> Bailey's association. As, just
1: in case George didn't get the point that he's the bad guy in this movie, <laughs> he's <laughs> going to get him arrested. Let's speed things up. Oh, also, he mentions, quite tellingly, because of George's reaction, I guess I take it that he thought this was a violent... Escape, but he mentions that because of George's life insurance policy, he's worth more dead than alive. Yes. That just kinda left hanging as if we didn't know what was gonna happen next. I don't know, I don't think that in a few more scenes George is gonna try to commit suicide, but his life insurance wouldn't cover that, right? I mean I don't know, maybe it was different in the fifties.
0: They said his life insurance was fifteen thousand, so it would have covered the eight grand deficit.
1: Right, but would the life insurance pay even though he's committed suicide? I mean, it's not oh, like he got hit by a
0: car. And they also say that it's against the law in that town to commit suicide. Yes, so, so
1: what the hell? I mean, no. yeah, that doesn't make any sense.
0: He should have just told Potter to shoot him. And then he would have been able <laughs> oh, to I get dare you.
1: <laughs> he doesn't have the guts. Come on. No, he doesn't. George Bailey doesn't have the guts. No.
0: After visiting Potter, it's time to hit the bottle. Yes. As George goes down to the local watering hole and just begins getting trashed and in the process gets laid out by a local barfly
1: yeah well it's the husband of some of the teacher that he yelled at when he was at home Oh, yeah. during his total meltdown. Yeah, he, was, he was melting shouting. down at home, yeah. he, he got on the phone and made some teacher cry. Somebody that was calling about one of his kids and then the husband got on the phone and he's like, well, I'll see you when I see you. And then he sees him at the bar
0: <laughs> and punches him. And so he stumbles out as a drunk, a total just sloshed mess. Crashes the car into apparently the oldest tree in Bedford. And, uh... <laughs>
1: just in case you don't get the, the message <laughs> of his luck has run out. And that's true. Like luck is the only thing that's been keeping him afloat for, you know, the longest time. He didn't like deserve all well, the success that he's had so far. He crashes a car, and then he reaches, I guess it's a bridge. Potentially Com-
0: the bridge out of town. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah so he's he's leaving town nowhere. Yeah, <laughs>
0: he's at the end of his rope.
1: And now we're 45 minutes into the movie. We get to the point that we've all been waiting for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Clarence comes down from the heavens above. Clarence, now in human form, is already drowning in the water, and George sees him before he can jump and jumps in to rescue him. Clarence, played by Henry Travers, Clarence Oddbody. I gotta say, he didn't
1: look the way I thought he... I had this idea in my head that angels didn't age... Yeah, but Clarence is pretty old. I, I would have gone for
0: a more Michael starring John Travolta type approach, where you have a very likable yet familiar angel.
1: That's funny. I was thinking Sea of Angels. I was thinking Nicolas Cage. Oh, okay. It seems to fit the tone of uh, "It's a Wonderful Life." A uh, Nicholas Cage, I, kind of
0: like the loose cannon. Yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: Clarence, I mean, there's a reason why he hasn't gotten his wings yet, and it's because you know, he's nickel's Cage. Every now and then he'll, like, blow up and no. do crazy shit.
0: So, this old fucker gets rescued by George, and we basically get a recap with the angel of everything that's happened in the movie. And George <laughs> is, how do you know this about me? Of course, this was a really long movie for the time, so audiences' attention spans were probably they needed some refreshing. There wasn't an intermission, so they needed right. some bringing back up to speed.
1: But then again, like I have to say, because I, I, I kept looking at the timer, just because I'm like, when does the real movie start? Like In my head, the real movie starts once the angel comes down, and then starts having adventures with George, You know, showing him what the world is like without him, or whatever. Okay, so it's 1.45, and the movie's like maybe
0: two hours and eight minutes or so so they really wrap things up <laughs> <really> <laughs> we get the recap yeah and then george just wishes that he had never been born because he didn't kill himself and so we get a very condensed version of the film how it would have been if george had never been born and it's basically everything you'd expect the, the poison medicine got there he Harry never, died when he drowned right yeah
1: every every one of these developments comes to george it's a huge shock yes but to us in the audience we're like yes we get it because we knew this was gonna happen and we believe the angel as soon as he says this is what's happening Whereas, like it takes george i don't know 10 20 times to hear
0: it before it finally sinks he, in he becomes a real drama queen and yeah. like the like we were talking about the glutton for punishment he just he makes it all about him it's like no no and Of course, him not being alive, I don't know what would have happened to Sam, her boyfriend, but Mary becomes an old maid and she (laughs) works at the library. Oh, yeah, an
1: old maid back then means that she was thirty and working at the library. (laughs) Okay, you're now I'm I'm a little embarrassed of you nineteen
0: fifties. That's a little little sexist.
1: Yeah, his mom obviously doesn't recognize him. The nice Italian guy that used to own the bar doesn't own the bar anymore. Instead. He's a mean
0: Italian guy now. Well, now it's like that's the bartender that owns the bar. Oh, and that's Somehow right.
1: the bartender is just a dick. Yeah. You know, instead of uh, now
0: that he owns his own place, but uh, Annie is not a maid, so I think his non-existence would have freed her from racial persecution. Yes, I think that's that's really what happened.
1: We see. Do we see Violet?
0: Probably. She's still the town whore. Yes. So like nothing. <laughs> her destiny was set.
1: But see, here's like the thing. I'm not. I'm not sure. Like what. Ex- Exactly, because the point is, he's about to commit suicide because he's in the hole, like, 8,000 grand, uh, uh, or 8 grand, <laughs> 8,000 grand would have been amazing, <laughs> It was like, there's nothing that will save you from that, and so yeah, he's in debt, and, you know, he's going to lose his business, and, you know, he got punched and all this stuff, And it's like, nothing's going to change, you know what I mean, because the angel shows him, Okay, if you hadn't been born, then all this bad stuff had happened. But then being born doesn't mean that the, that the other bad stuff that happened didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not like Mr. Potter doesn't exist, you know, yeah. because he's Well, alive. it's Pottersville now. Yeah, 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 And you and, could argue that it's, it's a more successful town. That town is
0: happening, man. I,
1: dude, I was—I thought I was looking at
0: a documentary about 6th Street, yeah, like it, all the lights.
1: And, like, that's a joke for people that listen that from Austin. But, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, let's just say, okay, a more, a more... That was a
0: far more developed town than it was with Georgian power. Yeah,
1: it's not like... I guess I kept thinking also about Back to the Future 2 when you see, like, Biff Tannen's city is named, I yeah. don't know, oh, but, you know... And, but Biff Tannen's town in Back to the Future 2, it feels sleazy. Whereas, like, Portersville, it's pretty... Okay, so there's neon lights.
0: yeah. You know, I mean, there's girls dancing, but you know.
1: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
0: Sue me. So after all this, George, when he after he sees Mary, just goes berserk and just decks a cop in the face, and <laughs> this cop just tells everyone to stand back and begins just firing wildly at him. That I'm
1: pretty sure that was not all right. Not even in the fifties. No, there is no way that it's okay to just like shoot at some random guy, uh, even if he punched them. That doesn't seem correct. But yeah, that is that's George completely losing it. By now, I mean, the entire time Clarence has been like keeping him company and just repeating over and over his story about how he's an angel and needs to get his wings, conveniently disappearing whenever he, he gets in too much trouble. Yeah. And of course, again, all this happens over 15 minutes.
0: Yes. It's glossed over. And just as soon as Clarence came, he's gone, and we're back to Christmas Eve. Or it's not Christmas Day, as it's after midnight. And George just runs back home. And we wrap this shit up quick, and everything <laughs> good that can happen happens in, yes. within a three-minute span.
1: I mean, it's almost as if it's so cruel. You know, they send Clarence here to break him. Mm-hmm. You know what? You dislike this town and these people and this situation so much you were willing to kill yourself. But no, I'm going to make you love this shitty town <laughs> and this shitty situation so much that you're going to be happy that you owe... I'm gonna make you come back and be happy that your life is a shithole. In the process
0: learning that life is far stronger than money.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. He comes back into town, like, after... I mean, Clarence basically waits until he's begging to go back to being alive, and then grants his wish. George Bailey's just running around Bedford Falls like a buffoon, just saying Merry Christmas to everybody, including Mr. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he's lost his mind.
0: I think now. Mr. Potter had a magnifying glass. and was like, meh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he's lost his mind. He goes back, and then there's that brief moment of real life where it's like, okay, he's going to go to jail, but then all the townspeople just come and give him all their money. Yeah, yeah. In the back of my head, I'm thinking,
1: and this is a story of how George Bailey broke the entire town. Exactly.
0: It goes back to the beginning where they would literally literally jump off a cliff for him. It's just George runs that town, and it's not really a happy ending because all those other families aren't really going to have a Merry Christmas. Yeah,
1: yeah. They have. They try to, like, fix it at the end. Like, he gets, in the very last seconds of the movie, he gets, like, a telegram or something from... Mr. Gower? S- Mr. Yeah, the guy that... Oh, no, like, no from Sam. Yeah, yeah, from Sam. From yeah. Sam. Who? Sam's... Another person that's been following his heart, unlike George, he actually took chances and got out of town and he's made a lot of money. He's a guy that offered George a job once upon a time, and instead of taking up on the offer,
0: George stole his girlfriend. <laughs> but uh, Sam still, in the end, wires him 25 grand. Yes, it's
1: like, you know what, anything you need, my friend. Cause... Life's a
0: bit too good for George. I think. Yeah,
1: but that is the message of the movie. That's the very disturbing message of the movie, which is just, listen, just stay in place, don't dream big, and... Good and things will come. Yeah, good things will come. You just need the entire time to to pray for you. And then everything will be okay. God likes it when you break down and cry and ask for forgiveness. And beg for
0: his mercy. Yeah,
1: it's like, I want my shitty life back. <laughs> I think, okay, I personally, I think that it's not that his suicide was justified. I think he was being a little bit of a pussy. But at the same time, if that was his call, then, you know, that's why he decided to to do. That's his call. Yeah. And then God comes in and makes him feel even worse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. And then he, as we mentioned, Tom Sawyer before was uh, Clarence's book of choice. He gets that from Clarence. And, and then, then, then a bell rings. Which we Informed throughout numerous parts of the movie that every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. So then, it's way to go, it,
1: Clarence! <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and then wink. And there you go. The, the little girl knew. Uh, is that Zaza? Zuzu, Zuzu. Zuzu. So or Zaza? She,
1: she knew about it. Is that? Did she say that she heard it in the school, or is it not like? Explained? It's just a common
0: known fact in Bedford.
1: Okay, so it's in Bedford. It's not like America, right? Because I'd never heard of that <laughs> until, until I watched this movie, and, and then he winks. And everything is
0: good. And then the movie ends, and Potter kept the eight grand. Yeah, he's eight grand richer, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure he'll strike again. Yes.
1: Here's the thing: George Bailey didn't really learn anything. No. He's gonna make the same mistakes. Eventually, he's gonna fuck up again.
0: And all those people, just like who whose money he took from them they just gave it right back and he's gonna just throw it all away again yeah
1: yeah yeah I mean it's not really what Sam should have done is offer him a job and get him out of bed for Falls except that Sam probably knows by now that that's not gonna work out well for him you know so next time he's in trouble Sam may not give him any money at all Potter wins eventually Potter wins
0: Potter will always win
1: yeah I completely believe that and
0: eventually the Barrymore family won because Drew became one of the most beloved actresses of her time
1: yes so it is a happy ending after all
0: I guess so yes yeah
1: shitty movie but happy ending
0: T-shirts, t-shirts, t-shirts. Hundreds of thousands of wrestling t-shirts. All for you to buy. Starring all of your favorite wrestlers. Daniel Bryan. Bret Hart goes to Montreal. Some dead guy. The Blackjacks. Mulligan and Lanza. Not Wyndham and Bradshaw. Wrestling! SmartsLikeUs.com. 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 Selling you wrestling t-shirts. Also available. Buttons, stickers, and kitty cats. Meow. So, It's a Wonderful Life was released on December 20th, 1946. was directed by Frank Capra. Had a budget of around $3.7 million and actually flopped at the box office. What? Ended up costing the studio $525,000. Uh,
1: it wasn't a wonderful life at that point. No, it's uh, a movie it's that's a-
0: definitely garnered a much bigger following in years since. It's a wonderful flop. <laughs> at this time, stands at 94%, a towering 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well-deserved, I would say. I I would like to meet the 6%. (laughs) (laughs) It was based on The Greatest Gift by Philip Van Doren Stern. Five Oscar nominations, but zero wins. It is a Christmas classic, and interestingly enough, the first time... Julio, you've ever seen this movie?
1: Yeah, and actually, you know, I'm thinking it might be the first uh, Frank Copper movie I've ever seen. Which is really I was going
0: through his filmography when I was getting ready for this and as much as like you know, I've read and heard about him, I think it's the only film of his I've still seen.
1: But uh, I think Mr. Myth goes to Washington. That's him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that'll be the next one I'll watch. I I like it. I understand why it's endured. I don't understand why it flopped, but I guess it was a different time. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. It's such a feel good movie. I I don't understand how anyone couldn't like it.
0: And just it wasn't like a John Carter goes to Mars flop. It was a minor flop. And
1: right, but again, like if you. If you release like the equivalent of this in this day and age, you would think it would do fine. It wouldn't lose money, Mm -hmm. you know? But then, I guess, back then, you had less ways of recouping your investment. You know, there were were DVD sales or whatever. I don't know. Maybe Jimmy Stewart was too expensive. But yeah, no, he was
0: the Eddie Murphy of his day. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) No, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, Like I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, I had this expectation. I thought that the movie would spend a lot more time on the dark alternate reality, and instead, that's the last twenty minutes of the movie. As many
0: times as I've seen it, that part of the movie gets like shorter, shorter and shorter because <laughs> I forget that it's only like a, a brief period of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, but it's even though I knew I was watching a lot of setup, that's fine. It's it, it was good setup. Jimmy Stewart is just, I mean, he carries the movie, so he can. He is
0: really good, even though he's that like very nineteen like forties fifties actor type thing. He's yeah, really good.
1: But that being, I had that expectation. Yeah. Also, I knew that I was going to be watching like, an old movie. It works. Every every character, you know, every little thing they set up pays off really well. And I actually like the fact that Mr. Potter doesn't get punish at the end. You really? Know? Yeah. I mean, you don't need to tie everything... He neatly. is the smartest
0: character in the movie.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's a horrible person, but he is playing his cards right. Mm-hmm. And I like, especially for an old movie like that, the fact that they ne- didn't tie everything up neatly, like, you know, put a bow on it and had the bad guy punished, that's actually surprising. I like it, you know? It really focuses on what's important, which is that he had... A pretty good life. I wouldn't say his life was wonderful. No. <laughs> Personally, if I had four kids, I would shoot myself. But
0: well, that would, also just the the stress that comes with that type of job. Is yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't yeah, really yeah, have a, yeah. wonderful yeah. boy, a wonderful life. Yeah, a
1: wonderful life so. would be if he had like achieved the you know if he had at least traveled around the world once and you yeah. know he didn't have like all those regrets. But he certainly had a better life than what he seemed to be thinking he had around that time.
0: And also his whole journey. One of the last lines of the movie, the Harry's toast to my brother George, the richest man I know. That's. That's yeah. perfect. I, I teared up a little.
1: All right, <laughs> uh, Tom- Tom's people start, like, you know, chipping in and putting money. Yeah. In, and then Clarence's little dedication of the Tom Sawyer book, yeah. which is, like, there's not a poor man that has friends or something. That's, that's pretty sweet. I, I, yeah. I like it. So, yeah, who cares if Potter didn't get punished? I mean... He's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> for
0: 1946, it's a really good-looking film too, and also just like even some of the very minor like visual effects, Clarence disappearing and reappearing types. Once up, like. it
1: gets into like the dark reality, it was pretty striking. All those like silhouette shots that he that he does it looks it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I understand why it's enduring as a classic, and uh, I'll actually make sure I make other people watch it now. <laughs> I don't know if I'll find anybody that hasn't seen it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it does have that grease effect of the using older people for young actors but that trend existed until like the early 90s
1: yeah here it's not as distracting as with greece i think because you're not stuck in a high school the entire time so you can kind of like almost forget that they're supposed to be much younger but with greece with the songs and like the slang that they use (laughs) it's a little too much yeah we need to
0: figure out what greece is at that might need to be an episode that we do
1: i think greece is gonna be one of those that's like the middle of the road oh
0: like those 60 percent where we can't really fuck with it yeah Acting was just a much different beast back in these days. Like we're talking about when we're watching it you really had to be like a vaudevillian showman, you had to sing and dance and everything and that, that's why a lot of the performances in this are so good. Like Donna Reed is Mary and like we said, Jimmy Stewart, it's you don't quite get stuff like that anymore.
1: Yeah, but I it also sometimes I, I always have to adjust my, my filters whenever I watch an old movie because it I do find it a little distracting. You know, it's a lot less naturalistic. You can feel a lot more it really feels a lot more like you're watching a movie or you're watching people perform. Okay. The way that they deliver the dialogue and the way that they... I don't know, it feels very stagey, which is good. I mean, I like it. It, it works in the movie, but you have to reset, you know, how what, again, your expectations. You know, it's not the yeah. same type of acting as when you're watching a movie that's been made now you have I don't know I mean you know somebody like George Clooney or, or
0: uh, who's your boy Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, or, uh, performing it's just different Jeff Bridges or something Jeff like that yeah, yeah
1: yeah but once you get through that you know, once you're used to that then it's really cool
0: you agree with its status as a Christmas classic yeah
1: yeah yeah I would I can't really think of anything to complain about I would give it like
0: 100% Rotten
1: Tomatoes I think that's how <laughs> for probably... what it is
0: for the, the universe that exists and it's a great film yeah
1: well I think because the ending makes it all the build up the payoff is, is very appropriate and like I said I was watching it I don't know it worked for me very well I, I, I watched it knowing what was going to happen and yet when it happened it got me anyway that was and that good. really
0: is like the mark of like a really good film like I'm blanking now off the top of my head of, but there are movies like like Terminator 2. No matter how many times I watch that, not to compare Terminator 2 to It's a Wonderful Life, but I'm just saying. But you,
1: you could compare Arnold Schwarzenegger with James Stewart. Uh, exactly, yeah. as far as captivating performances. But like. Vaudevillian dancing numbers.
0: <laughs> great movies get you with the ending every single time. Yeah, and that's and this is a prime example of that. Just like we watched it with some friends, and they even like at the end are like, "Gotta love that movie." Just gets you every single time. It is. It's great. And what we were talking about before we started recording, it was really hard to be snarky about that. Yes, it, that, that,
1: this might have been the hardest so far. Yeah. And oh, apparently some people are, because there's 6% out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested in reading those reviews now. Yeah, That was a real talk about It's a Wonderful Life. As the year comes to a close, we would like to thank our listeners and fans, especially our fan of the month, Kathy Strait. Who's been supporting us since the beginning, making us cookies, and just sending us messages of encouragement.
0: Christmas cards. She's been a real inspiration and a a real ray of sunshine. Yeah, so we dedicate this special Christmas episode to Kathy Strait. We dedicate this wonderful life to Kathy Strait. Yes. For any of those who have actually listened to this podcast and stuff, we've had a lot of fun doing it so far in the first five episodes we've had, and we look forward to doing many more in 2015. We're still debating about what the first of the year is going to be, but... uh, Wish you all a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Leo got a bow to put on top of it. We have a website now,
1: www.wearethecontrarians.com. It has exactly the same things that you would find in stuff. <laughs> uh, there's, there's pictures. There's pictures and longer you leave, details. Yeah, and, you can leave comments
0: and yeah. There's not a poor man who has friends. There you, you should, go. That's the quote. That. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, take care. Remember, this is the Contrarians where we're right and you're wrong. I'm so Thank you for listening to The Contrarians. On your way out, be sure to swing over to youtube.com backslash ovniofilms. That's O-V-N-I-O films. And check out The New Adventures of Baby Jesus, a web series created and written by The Contrarians' very own Julio Oliveira.